invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn to Acts chapter 26. We're almost there. We're moving through. In the next few weeks, we will complete uh, Acts, this book, this study, as Dr. Luke has given it to us, this record of the gospel moving forward. Acts chapter 26, we focus still upon Paul and his mission. You've seen that over the last few studies that we've had over the last few chapters. Really, the book of Acts, well, you see a lot of leaders, but Peter and Paul in particular are those individuals that represent uh, the overall movement or leadership within the church. And here Paul has been giving witness of who Christ is wherever he is. Whatever he's doing, he gives a witness of Christ. He, he demonstrates the good news. He demonstrates the gospel. And that's what you see here again. This guy, as Swindoll calls him, the guy that's full of grace and grit. You see him standing once again to declare the good news of Christ. Notice beginning verse 1, it says, Then Agrippa said to Paul, You are permitted to speak for yourself. So Paul stretched out his hand and answered for himself. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because today I shall answer for myself before you concerning all the things of which I am accused by the Jews, especially because you are expert in all customs and questions which have to do with the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to hear me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, which was spent from the beginning among my own nation at Jerusalem, all the Jews know. They knew me from the first, if they were willing to testify, that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. To this promise, our 12 tribes, earnestly serving God night and day, hope to attain. For this hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused by the Jews. Why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead? Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. So here's Paul giving his defense. Standing before this king, standing before Standing before the rulers of the day, this Paul standing toe-to-toe with the kings and the rulership of the earth. And what is he doing? He's, he's really going to declare for us his own testimony. He's beginning to tell us now what he was, what he was before Christ, and then he's going to launch into what he has become after Christ. Now, envision this, if you will. He's there in Caesarea by the sea. And he basically has been called to give a defense. Remember, the governor, he wants to be able to attach some charges to uh, the little report he's going to send to Caesar. He's got to know what is he going to say about this man named Paul. And he's brought in this guy named Agrippa, who also has there with him his sister Bernice. And he, they come in with all this pomp and circumstances. They're basically out in this amphitheater. I don't know if you've ever been there. Any of you ever been to Israel? You ever going to go now? <laughs> Hopefully one of these days ago. It, it's a beautiful place out there by the Caesarea, by the sea. And, and, and envision this. Here they are with these rulers and Paul is standing before them. The, the sea is crashing 
against the shore in the background. It, it's a beautiful place. It's an intimidating place. Uh, we've already been told that Agrippa and Bernice, they come in with all this pomp and circumstance. Uh, they're dressed just as the ruler should be that day. And here's Paul, okay? He's coming before them to address them and to give a defense of who he is and a defense of the gospel. It's amazing how God gives us so many different opportunities to share the gospel, isn't it? I mean, for Paul, he could be down, uh, he could be down by the seashore sharing the gospel. He might be out in the marketplace sharing the gospel. And now here he is standing in front of the rulers of the day. And he's going to share the gospel. That's what he's going to do. Just the opportunities that God gives. And this is the way he's going to frame it. Basically, he is framing it, as we just read, around his testimony. He's going to use this to demonstrate who Christ is and what Christ has done in his own life. And he looks at Agrippa in particular. He knows he has some connection with Agrippa. Why? Because Agrippa, of course, has this Jewish heritage, this Jewish background. It's amazing to think that he's sitting in judgment of anybody, of course. If you read history, if you understand the Herodian dynasty and the Herodian family you would recognize that they're anything but experts on morality. I mean, to think that they're sitting in judgment of anyone at this point just will boggle the mind. His sister is there, and throughout history, it has been suggested that there was some type of incestuous relationship that he had with her. He had been known for all of uh, the vices of the Herodian family, and here he is, he, he's sitting in, in judgment of Paul sitting there going to bring forth this verdict against Paul. Now, Paul is very gracious. He knows that he knows that Agrippa has this background. And he you, if you notice it says I think myself happy Agrippa because today I shall answer for myself before you concerning all these things of which I'm accused by the Jews. He says I'm actually proud that I can speak to you because you'll know what I'm talking about. You'll have the background. You'll have the Jewish mindset. You'll be able to relate to me. He says, this is who I was. Basically, Paul says, I was the guy that was there trying to um, enforce the, the heritage and the practices of my people. I was the one who was there trying to live for the law. I was of the strictest group called the Pharisees. I, I was so zealous. I was so earnest in my faith. I, I was trying to do anything and everything that I could to destroy the name of Christ. I fought against this man named Jesus, Jesus from Nazareth. I fought against him. I fought against his people. I, I, I tried to have them in prison. If it came down to a vote, I was going to vote against them every time. That's who I was. Think about it a moment. Who were you before you came to Christ? Who were you? What did you do? Well, I came to Christ at a very young age. I was about 12 years old. I know some people come to Christ even younger than that, but I was about 12 years old. And I've given you my testimony before where God just spoke to me one Sunday night when we had a baptism. For some reason, we always had baptisms on Sunday night. Um, 
And we had one that Sunday night. And God spoke to me as I saw somebody go under the water and go all the way back up. I mean, I'd been in church all my life. I'd heard the gospel preached. I'd heard my preacher share the truth time and time again. Sunday school teachers share the gospel. RA leaders share the gospel. I'd heard it over and over. But it was just like something clicked that night. So you know what I'm talking about? It's like all that time and then boom, conviction just set in. Now, I say I was 12, so I had not robbed any banks yet. I had not um, been convicted of anything bad. I mean, so, so, I mean, when we think back, some of you have that same story. You think back and say, where was I before Christ? Well, I wasn't like Paul. I mean, Paul... Paul was an individual that imprisoned people and tried to push back in such an opposing way against the faith. I wasn't like him. I heard Robert Lewis. Some of you ever heard of Robert Lewis? Rustin Boy. Some of you perked up. You hadn't listened to me the whole time until I said that. Robert Lewis, he uh, wrote some studies called Men's Fraternity. And I went through some of those studies and really was encouraged by those. I was challenged by those in a lot of different ways. Robert Lewis put it this way about our pre-Christ days. He said something to this. He says, it doesn't mean that we were as bad as we could have been. But it does mean that we were as bad off as we could have been. Now think about that a moment. I hadn't done all these things maybe that Paul was talking about. Even though Paul says I was religious. Paul says, hey, I was, I was the guy that was there at everything that the synagogue offered. I was there. I was trying to study. I was trying to be the person I needed to be. I was trying to, I was trying to do it all on my own. And see, some of us, we don't have that testimony where we say, oh, yeah, these... This is how we've been transformed from drugs. This is how we've been transformed. You know, all those kinds of things. A lot of us were saved when we were younger. But all of us needed a Savior, no matter who we were. I I used to think about this. I used to think about my testimony. I mean, because when, when the preacher brought in individuals to give their testimony, most of the time it seemed like they brought in people that would tell about how they had been delivered from drugs and alcohol and how they had been delivered from um, maybe uh, their womanizing ways. or they'd been, they, I mean, you'd get up, they'd tell you, and then, and then you'd think to yourself, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I've done this. I thought, man, I ain't got much of a testimony. Man, I wish I'd done those, some of those things, you know, back in the day. <laughs> then I could get up and give a good testimony. I mean... You know, you, you do think about I'm like, I'll never give my testimony in this church because it's not, I mean, it's not. I was. Now, listen, we need to hear those testimonies that God radically changes lives of individuals that have been through such difficulty. We need to hear those testimonies. Yes, we do. But you know what else we need to hear? We need to hear that good people, good people, People that are self-reliant, people 
that think that they can make it on their own, that those people have experienced salvation through Christ Jesus as well. I actually, I would actually suggest to you tonight, we might need to hear that more in our churches. Because too many of us have said, hey, we can do this on our own. All we got to do is just live as sincerely. We can live as zealously. We can live according to what the law said. We can live all those kinds of things, and we can still just be as lost as could be. Because it's not as, it's not about how bad you are. It's about how as bad off as you are. Because I, I, I was 12 years old. I was 12 years old going to church. Again, never done anything major. But I still had sinned and sh- come short of the glory of God. And I was still going to hell just like maybe the unrepentant, non-saved drug dealer down the street. I was, I was just as bad off. And that's the reason we need to hear We need to recognize, where were we? Paul says, this is where I was. He says, Agrippa, I want you to hear. I was there, and, and, and I believed everything that you did, and I believed the prophets, and I believed the law, and I believed in what they had taught us and the hope that they had given us of a Messiah. I believed all those things. And then get this, verse 12. Paul said, While thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, at midday, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles, to whom I now send you, to open their eyes, in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of their sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Paul says, this is who I was. And then, this is what happened. Jesus Christ appeared to me. Jesus Christ spoke to me. And as we know from reading the account of Acts, we know that this was his conversion experience, where he'll always point back, to where Christ changed him, transformed him, and called him to ministry on the Damascus Road. Now, I pointed this out a time or two. I'm not going to belabor it here tonight, but the book of Acts, Paul's testimony is recorded how many times? Got to start back with Acts 1 next week. Three times recorded by Luke. Now, again, Luke is very selective in what he writes, okay? Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's only including certain things. But he includes the testimony and the conversion of Paul three times. Because it was so significant for Paul's life, 
for the early believers, for the church itself to know that Christ changed this man. This man who was a Pharisee of Pharisees, this man who was trying to live for the law, Christ changed him. See, in your testimony, I think you can say, this is who I was, but this is what happened. And something needs to happen. Something needs to happen. If nothing has happened in your life, then you've never seen salvation. I was speaking a moment ago about that Sunday night. I saw the baptism, and it was all of a sudden, it's like when I saw that visual picture, it hit me. Jesus died for me and rose again. And I realized that I had messed up. I had sinned. Before that, I mean, I thought I was a pretty good guy. And, you know, I was doing different things. Baptist Men's Day, I may have mentioned it to you. Baptist Men's Day, you remember that? Some of you back in the day, Baptist Men's Day. Some of you do. Where the men did everything in the church that Sunday. And I was the closest thing to a man they could find to play a piano. It was pretty rough, too. I'm going to tell you that. Just kind of boom, boom, boom. I've done all those things. I thought, yeah, this is good. I can do this. And That night when I sat there and I saw that baptism and Christ through his spirit convicted me, I realized that I was lost and that I needed him. Now, I wished I could tell you that I went down that night and I was saved. It wasn't. But I went home and I struggled. The next night I struggled. I think it was about Wednesday night. I told my mom I had to. I had to see somebody. Ended up. Sat across from. My pastor. Brother Bobby Holland. Still a pastor at Birmingham Ridge Baptist Church. 40 something years or so now. And he led me. To accept Christ as my savior. And I've. Never gotten over that. I was changed. Now, I wasn't exactly where I needed to be. I'm still not where I need to be. He's still working on me. Christ Jesus is. But I know that I know that I know that I've accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. That's so important for you. If you're going to share the gospel with somebody else, you got to know that you've been a recipient of the gospel. If you're going to tell somebody else about the Lord Jesus, you need to know that he is the Lord Jesus in your life. Here's Agrippa. He knows. Look, he, he says, Agrippa, you can look at the prophets and what, is, what they've said. You can look at my life and know that there's a change. Agrippa, you can know these things. And then notice verse 19. He says, and this is who I am now. Notice the progression of the testimony. It's who I was, what happened to me, and now it's who I am. What's changed, verse 19, Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem throughout all the region of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting repentance. For these reasons the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. Therefore, having obtained help from God to this day, I stand witnessing both the small and great, saying no other things than those which the prophets and Moses would say, what they would have said, that the Christ would suffer 
that he would be the first to rise from the dead and would proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. He says, and you know what's happened since? I just can't stop talking about Jesus. I mean, that's what he says. I can't stop talking about him. Wherever I go, I've got to tell people about what Christ Jesus has done in my heart and life. The prerequisite of sharing Christ with others is experiencing Christ and salvation. And once he, once he invades your life in such a way, you've got to talk about him. They were compelled. Paul was. Paul says, and all I'm doing, all I'm doing, King, is going around and telling them what Moses and the prophets said, that the Christ would suffer, that he would be resurrected, all I'm telling them is the truth. All I'm telling them is the hope that we've had for all of these years. Well, notice verse 24. Now, as he thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. So here's this Roman official cries out, Paul, look. We know that you're a smart guy. We know you went to all the best schools when you were younger. We know that you've, you've stayed. But you know what? Your intellect is getting to you. You have studied too much, and now you're going mad. But he said, Paul, I am not mad, most noble Festus. But speak the words of truth and reason. For the king, don't you love this? Like he personally engages Agrippa here at this point. Even though he's out here in this amphitheater, even though he's got these rulers, he knows that there's a moment here where he can connect with Agrippa and that Agrippa can understand what is being said. He says, for the king before whom I also speak freely, he knows these things. For I'm convinced that none of these things escapes his attention since this thing was not done in a corner. In other words, he knows what's happening because this has not been just swept into a corner. You can see God's kingdom. You can see Christ Jesus. You can see what's happening. He says, I'm convinced Agrippa can see. Verse 27, the confrontation with the king. He says, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do believe. I know that you believe the prophets. I know you believe the Old Testament. I, I believe that. Verse 28, Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. Some translations will say something like this. Paul, do you think in such a short time, in just a short moment, you can convince me or persuade me to be a Christian? And then you hear the heart of Paul. Paul says, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today might become both almost and altogether such as I am, except for these chains. He says, Grippa, King, I want you to know this salvation. I want you to know this faith. And not just you, but I want all people to know. You think you could persuade me? Well, I believe that God wants us to do 
the best we can, effectively communicating his message. I think he calls us to that. I think he calls us to do whatever it takes to build our case, to, to speak, and to try to lead people to Christ. I think there are some persuasive ways in which we use. Not manipulative ways, persuasive ways. But I also recognize, as we seek to persuade other people, as we seek to share the truth with other people, that God, His work, the Holy Spirit, His conviction, is what truly leads us to that point to where we can be saved. Where we make the choice. We decide that we want to follow him. As I shared with you earlier, through my early days, I mean, I was brought up in the church. I, I was in the church every time the door opened, and sometimes we opened the door. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, you've been there. Some of you have been the same way. I was either with my grandparents or my parents. We were coming and going. Again, I'd heard the message. I'd, I'd, I'd heard the good news. But it was something about the Holy Spirit dealing with me in that moment, that night, and how he continued to deal with me. So, we share the message. We seek to persuade. We ought to have a heart to persuade people, all people. No matter what status they are in life, we ought to seek to do that. But we also recognize that the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts and God is the one who gives the harvest and the salvation. He calls us to be faithful. And that's what you see here with Paul. Paul is being faithful. Whatever arena he's in, wherever he is, he's going to be faithful to share the story of Christ. Verse 30 said, says, When he had said these things, the king stood up, as well as the governor and Bernice and those who sat with them. When they had gone aside, they talked among themselves, saying, This man is doing nothing deserving of death or chains. Then Agrippa said to Festus, The man might have been set free if, it not, if he had not appealed to Caesar. Unfortunately, as far as we know here, Agrippa does not respond positive, positively to the gospel. Now, he does say, Hey, this guy Paul has done nothing wrong. And that's important to hear. Dr. Luke has reminded us again and again that these early believers were no threat to the earthly authorities. Remember, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. But I was sitting thinking this afternoon. I was thinking about this book being written, Paul's Interchange with Agrippa. And I think I mentioned to you a couple weeks ago that when Dr. Luke's book was written and when it went out, Agrippa was still alive. I think Dr. Luke did that so that one, Agrippa could testify and say, hey, we really didn't find anything to fault Paul for. We didn't find him guilty. We didn't think he should be convicted. I, I think there was a little bit of that so that Agrippa could speak to the credibility of this story. But maybe as he read it, I don't know. Maybe as he read it, he would have been confronted with the gospel once again. Of the day when the apostle stood before him, sought to persuade him 
to the good news of Christ. You know, I, I really believe as long as there's breath in our body, we have hope before Christ. I'm talking about those who are non-believers. There's breath in your body. There's hope. Always. Hope. You can respond as the Spirit convicts, as He leads. You can respond. And the gospel, the good news, is powerful enough to save any of us at any moment. The gospel of Christ is sufficient for us to experience eternal life. Tonight in this place, many of us are saved. If we're saved, God's called us to witness. We're believers. We're children of God. God calls us to talk about him to other people. One of the easiest ways for us to do it is just like Paul. Tell them what you were. Tell them what happened. And tell them what you've become through Christ Jesus and his grace. It's a great outline to be able to just share your faith. Wherever you are at any moment, whether you're in the amphitheater or you're by the coffee pot, the water cooler, wherever you are. It's a great thing to tell about the Jesus who saved you and transformed your life. Let's be those kind of people even this week. Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word. Lord, challenge us. Lord, empower us to be your witnesses. Lord, help us just simply tell people what has occurred in our life as we share your good news with them. Lord, we love you, we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand tonight?